Hello, my name is Jeff and I'm Professional Services Director at ShieldPay and this is the Shieldcast podcast. This podcast showcases ShieldPay friends, clients and partners to talk about topics that matter to them and importantly, that we find interesting. And on today's Shieldcast, we have the pleasure of welcoming Willem Wellinghoff. Welcome, Willem. Hi, Jeff. Willem is Shieldpay's Chief Legal and Compliance Officer and MLRO. Willem is responsible for the legal and compliance strategy for the group, including risk management, regulatory compliance, and anti-money laundering and terrorist financing obligations. Pre-Shieldpay, if that's even a thing, Willem has lived, breathed compliance and fintech as Head of Legal and Compliance for Major European Credit Institutions and Compliance Director for some leading UK fintech companies. Willem is also an advisor and mentor to UK fintech and innovative businesses and has been a Techstars mentor since 2015, which is where we met. That's very true. Other than lovely conversation today, I'm looking to get your best advice on how to conduct, I guess, know your investor checks or KYI. To warm things up then, Willem, can you tell us a bit about your role at ShieldPay and the makeup of your team? First of all, Jeff, thanks for having me on part of the inaugural Shield podcast, podcast series, focusing on primarily the topic of fundraising activities. It's a, it's a great start, so well done. It's particularly topical with lockdown coming to an end, uh, but most companies will be looking at fundraising activities again, but may not always know how to collect funds in a secure way. And this is what we're kind of focusing on at ShieldPay. Not sure if my role is as exciting as the topic of the podcast, but in essence, My role is to look after the legal and compliance strategy for ShieldPay, which means ensuring not only legal and regulatory compliance, as you've kind of alluded to, but with many regulations, but also ensuring a very forward thinking of how we facilitate the commercial strategy. And my team is in a very important part and ingrained as part of uh, our, the business strategy and as well as the operations. Built a great relationship with every stakeholder within the business. It's great. Indeed. I mean, Chilpay is a regulated entity. And so, as you often say, um, regulation and compliance should really be our friend, should be part of our DNA. I mean, it's very true that your team works very closely with our product team and operations team and a real sort of central pivotal point to what we can do as a business as we look at different types of solutions and products we can offer to our clients. In your time, you've been involved in all different types of fundraising at Cabot and now at ShieldPay and, and then servicing our clients too. How does knowing your investor change in the, these different types of fundraising and these different types of circumstances? It's a, it's a great question, Jeff. And actually, you know, it very much depends on the type of fundraising round you're in, whether you're you know, from seed or all the way to IPO. And investor profiles change dramatically depending on which stage you're at, whether you're dealing with individuals who are sophisticated angel investors that really know the kind of ins and outs of investing to people that are maybe not even as experienced in that to, you know, you've got major venture capital to private equity and investment banks. The profiles of each investor very much change, but with that, It's also the duties of each of what comes with that investment, whether it's how the fund operates to, you know, what part of the investment bank you're you're sitting in to the roles and responsibilities you're having to discharge to sophisticated or maybe even not so sophisticated investors. Those profiles can vary dramatically. But as a business, it's really important on the journey that you're on to actually really understand the type of profile that you are trying to achieve 
attract first of all, but equally then an investor that you're trying to attract as part of your business and that culture is shared in order to gain the best out of all the worlds that surround you, knowing what really makes an investor tick, but equally what part of, you know, if you're dealing with a venture capital fund, for example, if they've got many different funds that they're operating, you want to know which fund that you're going to be sitting in and how that fund operations work. So whether, you know, they've got any particular restrictions. So for example, how the funds can be utilized to even, you know, whether they can actually resell part or whole of the entire fund to someone else. And and if they do, what restrictions does that bring on you as a business and when you're wanting to raise additional funds? That whole piece is actually really critical to any growth of the business, but it can also bring some reputational element to it as well. So for example, if you end up being resold by one fund to a a different fund that actually has quite a lot of toxicity within it uh, and restrictions, it really harms you as a business because A, the reputational element, but also B, what you can and cannot do from a business growth perspective, whether it's raising funds or even selling your business. So it's really important when you're you know starting on that journey as a business and getting funds, what are you seeking to achieve and who are you seeking to achieve it from? And really understanding the nuts and bolts of that particular fund operation and the restrictions that sit within the investment documentation is really fundamental. So having a good advisor who can you know really help you with that is fundamental for any business. Understanding your investor indeed is way more complex than just getting a bank statement, a copy of their passport or their corporation documents if it's a if it's a business or corporation. Um, but you know, there's this fine balance as to what you can ask and being too evasive and get um, effectively spook that investor, I guess. How should early stage companies look at that? How do you ask those questions to investors? It's it's not so much, you know, the point that you're asking those questions and spook them out. It's it's about setting your expectations as a business, what you what you find important. You want to know who you're dealing with at the end of the day. And it's not just one snapshot in time. And, and this is where a lot of people, especially on the advisory side, sometimes fail to realize this. It, it's, they think it's just a snapshot. It's not. It's about an ongoing relationship that you're trying to establish with an investor. So setting your expectations of what you're looking to obtain from them as part of that relationship is actually really crucial and, and and that you build that openness and transparency with them. So yeah, I mean, knowing who you're dealing with, of course, is very important. So knowing the identity, you know, where the funds are coming from, from a source and equally how they've gained that wealth is actually really important. So you could be dealing with a very wealthy family office. They may have been extremely successful property investors that have accumulated an awful amount of wealth. So you can then, as part of that understand where those source of funds have come from but sometimes it's not as obvious as that and it's really understanding for you as a business that you're you know obtaining funds that are legitimate that they are fine and really setting that openness and transparency as part of an ongoing long-term relationship and that's what you're trying to achieve there it's very interesting because you know the receiving funds from an investor has also bears reputational risk, not just criminal risk, of having funds from a specific investor can either enhance your proposition or raise questions around the validity of your business. Completely, especially in the longer term. If you're looking to IPO as a business, understanding you know that is absolutely crucial. 
Then it starts to question the validity of their other investments. And therefore, as you're a portfolio company of any investor, what impact does decisions of your investor have on you as a business, not just in your investment in you and the diligence they've done on you, but on on their other investments and their other assets and, and interests? Yeah. So one of the things that's obviously very difficult if you're an early stage company with limited resources and you're still growing and developing and you don't necessarily have the right advisors with you, what can you do and what are the the minimum requirements that companies should be doing to get comfortable when receiving funds from someone? Yeah, I mean, most companies that are obtaining funds somehow will be covered by money laundering or other financial crime obligations and and regulations that exist. So really, we've talked about it very briefly about knowing your investor. It's first of all, understanding the nature and and the group structure behind any type of investment, where those funds are coming from. You know, yes, identity checks and and of course, sanctions, PEPs and and adverse media checks are, are, you know, crucial as part of that but for me it's it's really more about where does it all come from the source of wealth is a very fundamental aspect and and you know i can talk about an example in in a minute about the stuff that we've done at shield pay in helping firms being able to support their fundraising activity where we were not comfortable on their behalf of how they were getting their funds in. And it's knowing those red flags or potential risk areas to help clients in such fundraising matters. Now, the reality is sometimes those firms are not as concerned as they should. And I think, you know, it's an overall arching, you know, obligation as part of the relationships that you educate them as part of that. And, and these are the kind of things that in we're In the large doing. part, when you're doing this kind of due diligence and you're meeting investors, it's pretty clear to determine whether or not they're a good actor or bad actor. But ultimately, a company needs the money to come in and the money often, you know, urgently in order to grow or to survive, depending on the cases. So there might be instances where this money might not as good look as good as it might have done or that investor might look good as, as he could have done. So how does one go about sort of clearing an investor if there are any questions around kind of stuff and how, what are the methods to do so? Yeah, it's, it's a it's a good, very good point. And, and, in Maine, you're absolutely right. A lot of the investors are good actors, you know, and you get them on board. But there are examples in which we don't necessarily always feel that there is a good actor at stake. And, and it's building that relationship up. So understanding the nature of, for example, where those funds are coming from. Uh, so let me tell you an example of, of how we've dealt with one. It was a, an individual investor, a very sophisticated investor, had a, a huge portfolio of investors, uh, investments rather. And when we started looking at the type of investment that they were trying to make in a particular company on the, on our client's behalf, it seemed just out of whack with the main aspect of their in, investment that they were trying to obtain. And then when we saw kind of when we started asking a little bit more questions, they were really trying to dodge most of the questions. And that kind of always flags something that there may not not necessarily be a good, you know, a good relationship building. But we eventually got around that by just being open. And when we started looking at bank bank transfers and, and the bank statements that were you know being presented to us, uh, there were just a number of line items that just didn't stack up. So, and then we started delving into that a little bit more. And the the source of funds, where they were coming from, were quite oblique, and they were coming from different funding mechanisms to different companies. And when someone who is just an individual is layering on all these different types of vehicles, it sometimes sparks a question a little bit more, and that's kind of you know the the kind of gut feel that comes out. 
that kind of process and due diligence is obviously very difficult for a company to um, to achieve or to do themselves, but essential. And that's why you get good advisors or you come to, to Shieldbank, for example. One thing I wanted to ask you about, Willem, is I think we get a sense that over time or over the years, there's been an increase in regulation or increase in demands on individual businesses and et cetera to really delve into these issues around money laundering, particularly around the money laundering directive that we're subject to here. Could you give us a feel about what's changed and, and what really has been the driver for that change over the years? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, you just have to look at the last 15 to 20 years and how the landscape, uh, you know, we're dealing money has evolved. We've we've become increasingly more digital and online uh, and therefore, you know, expectations have changed dramatically. There's been a dramatic shift of having it almost immediately available and, and uh, rather than weeks. And as a result of that, there's a, a level of sophistication about how some of these bad actors really work. And the challenge has always been, you know, just a global challenge really is how does regulation keep up with that level of change? And that's why you've seen so many changes to money laundering regulations, the directives that have come out in Europe. Equally in the US, you know, there's been changes continuously evolving, transparency rules being set up across the globe from not only tax measures, but equally what you can find on on public registers on on companies. So the level of sophistication of how bad actors really access the, the markets has evolved tremendously and extremely rapidly. And the regulators out there are, are really trying to keep up to, to par with that through regulation, which is a very hard thing to do. But, it, you know, we will see more and more obligations being placed on companies, not only, you know, companies like ourselves, but people who are actually getting investment themselves to ensure that they're taking the sound investments, not only from the profile perspective, but also the money perspective, and that that is legitimate. Other than obviously using shield pay or uh, getting the benefits of an advisor or your, you as our advisor, what kind of tools or what kind of methods can companies use to help achieve you know at least some way of of checking and some further closer to what we're able to offer yeah it's a a really good question and it depends on on the type of stage you're at quite often but i I think it's is having a really good team at your disposal good quality data and and documentation really really helps because if you get it wrong you know it's it's terrible and and you can validate a lot of learnings from you know when you do it wrong i mean tools of the trade there's a lot of a lot of electronic verification out there that's really good you can establish things you know through open banking now which is a great tool accessible you know very underused still but will be a major part going forward in my opinion but data is fundamentally what you need uh, and, and good structured data to allow you to make sound decisions in your fairly long career so far or experience what have been the most formative aspects of it and what have you learned most from so I, I would like to think of myself as still quite junior in the industry. Um, I'm not that old uh, in my mind. Uh, still a lot, of give, a lot to give. But in terms of the learnings uh, for me, it's really been at the coal face of it. I've seen a lot of bad actors in there and I've you know, done my fair share of investigations where I've had to go to court and provide witness evidence against those criminal uh, actors uh, and help not only bodies like the National Crime Agency, but equally, you know, the police. So I've, I've learned to know awful lot of some of the characters that you can find and like I said, sophistication is, is a great sense of it. But you've also got some extremely 
non-sophisticated actors uh, having to deal with those people in court who then become particularly aggressive to you when you're on the witness stand is, is always quite fun. But, you know, it's for me, the greatest sense of learning is not only having the platform by your mentors or your team to be able to get involved, but also getting the bit between your teeth to, to really start looking into the investigations and taking it seriously and knowing that you're making a big difference to the world. And, and I think that sense of purpose for anyone approaching this particular industry is vitally important. You know, you have to know that you always have a sense of purpose and part of a, a greater good. And that's kind of been always for me the greatest source of learning. It's been really fascinating talking to you about what, what knowing your investor really is or means. And it goes much deeper than just peripheral bank statements and so on. But I just finish off today's um, discussion is kind of your top tips really finally what would you do if you were a company um, to start off with and and what would you not do so so in in respect of individuals you would want to generally get them to verify themselves using their uh, certified passport or uh, you could do that now with through biometrics in a video but you would want to get some level of information about their identity and and where they are um, to uh, obtaining source of wealth and and, you know, the source of funds where you're expected to get them from. So that that's kind of for more individuals, whereas for kind of, you know, venture capital and private equity firms, you know, you, you're looking more about, you know, how long they've been established for and, and their level and of deep expertise. But more importantly, whether they're regulated or not, you know, and how long have they been regulated? You know, you would take a lot more diligent approach with someone who's only been regulated for several months and have has done very little. Uh, level of investment, you would really want to delve into the deeper detail of the types of investment, how long, you know, they've been regulated, are the people managing that fund, you know, are they are they experienced, Have uh, you know, where did they come from, what was their background, were they previously regulated as an individual, you know, in, in the whole senior management and certification regime. You know, to to someone who's a lot more experienced, and again, you still need to know who's dealing with that. But you know, you can take a, a little bit more of a comfort level, knowing that they have been regulated and have had to deal with you know level of uh, fund regulation and you know the identification and money laundering aspects for quite some time. So that's kind of my key practical tips uh, of how to deal with people. You know, when you're, you're dealing with investors. Well, thank you very much, William, for your time today. It's been a real pleasure having you on the Shieldcast. I'm sure this won't be the last time we hear from you. Well, thank you once again. Thanks very much, Jeff. Pleasure. Pleasure.